Tim Davis Show. Call or text the team line at 970-242-1340. Colorado sports leader, the team. Thanks for joining us, Jim and Cake, who's in for the Buckeye Boy all this week. Cake's on, or Buckeye Boy's on vacation, so uh, Cake filling in for him. It's Monday, the good, the bad, the ugly. You can text or call us on the team line, 970-242-1340. First coming from you from the uh, Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. And, um... The bad, I, I guess it wasn't necessarily ugly, but not great for Caitlin Clark when she got ran over by the Ohio State fan after Ohio State pulled off the upset of uh, number two Iowa. She was okay, but got clocked by by a fan as they stormed the court. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that uh, coming up here in Good Call, Bad Call, because uh, I have some thoughts on that. She said that you know her teammates picked her up. That Ohio State's athletic director already came over and went over and apologized to her, so she was appreciative of that. But uh, yeah, I got uh, got ran over by a Buckeye fan uh, this past weekend. But fortunately, she's okay. All right. So uh, reaction to championship game weekend uh, coming up. With the divisional round from this last weekend, we'll go around the NFL in just a moment. Uh, let's see. The scripted bowl is bowl. It's scripted, and you know what the yeah, and you know the script. Please share it so we can all be millionaires. Please stop putting wagers on it and quit and quit your job. I didn't mean for you to quit your job. I meant for those that keep saying it. It's rigged to quit their job and make bets on sure things. That's from Steve. You're talking about the colors of the logo. And I want, I want to be clear. I don't actually think that the NFL is rigged. I just think it's hilarious that we, because there are people out there that genuinely think that the NFL is a scripted, rigged reality show. And that they go, that, that every, and, and, and they point to everything. They say Taylor Swift is part of the conspiracy and she's in on it. And the Kelsey brothers and their podcast is part of the conspiracy. And then they point to something as, seemingly innocuous as hey the color scheme of the patch on the jersey of the super bowl kind of looks like the teams that are playing oh and they designed that well in advance so it's got to mean something you know it's like come on and and again it's 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 ridiculous that's i i don't i don't exactly remember i think this actually might be from ted lasso the quote is that's the funny thing about coincidences Sometimes they just happen. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. So I, I want to be clear. That. I was, you last were, hour, I was being firmly tongue-in-cheek. You, you were tongue-in-cheek about it. Yeah, you were not being serious about it. All right. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ready to buy into anything like that. It does not help, though, when the NFL has officiating issues. Doesn't help. That does not help at all. Does not help, you know, you know go against the, this, this, you know, conspiracy narrative that the NFL's rigged and things like that. You know, one of the things that caught this from over the weekend with, with Tony Dungy about Taylor Swift. Oh, God. What did he say? Uh, and how she's, she's taking away from what's going on in the field. No, she's not. I, no, I, I just sorry. Okay, she's she's a celebrity. Eminem was at the Lions game, and you'll hear people losing their minds about Eminem being at the Lions game. And I get he's not as popular as Taylor Swift, but he's still not nobody. Most people, even if you're not a well, big rap fan, have heard of Eminem. I was going to say, I think there was a time around you know my high school years where he was huge those two would have probably been on the same yeah. plane 
in terms of fame. But but now I think she's even... Oh, she's totally surpassed surpassed that, even even how popular he was then. Plus, it's been a while since Eminem's put out as great an album as he has. Yeah, Dungey made the comment... That's the thing that's disenchanting people with sports now. There's so much on the outside coming in, entertainment value and different things that are taking away from what really happens on the field. I can't even tell you the number of ways Tony Dungy is so wrong in this take. Like, it actually makes my head hurt how wrong he is. Read that again. One one more time. What did he say? That's the thing that's disenchanting people with sports now. There's so much on the outside coming in. Entertainment value and different things that are taking away from what really happens on the field. Okay. He used the, the word, the key word there, he said entertainment. What is sport and Enter- specifically football entertainment. if not entertainment it's entertainment it is an entertainment product they work hard there is you know and and we owe it to these gladiators these modern day gladiators that go into these coliseums and you know put their bodies on the line we owe it to them because they're doing that for our entertainment we ought to respect them by making sure that they have things like you know long-term health care and the stuff that's recently come out, you know, we're we're moving in the right direction there, but it's still probably not enough. Neither here nor there. Set that aside. The number of posts on social media I've seen, specifically on like TikTok and Instagram and and whatnot, where you have the the like dads are now. It used to be kind of like. Dads and their teenage daughters, eh, football's on. Okay, well, I'll just watch football on my phone while the girls watch the TV or whatever. Now, hey, Dad, what's this football thing? You know, Taylor Swift, my my favorite artist, Taylor Swift, is dating a football player. But, like, what actually is football? Well, I'll tell you, sweetheart, you know. The the number of those types of posts I've seen where where. Girls are bonding over football and learning about football. And and we should, like, as longtime football fans, not even just guys, as longtime football fans, the idea of welcoming people into the sport and watching the sport, we should embrace that. But people are all up in arms. Well, it's Taylor Swift and she's distracting and she's taken away from, and there's all these outside influence. Buddy, it's a game. It happens to be a game that produces billions of dollars in annual revenue, whether it's through media rights or whatnot. And it's entertainment. That's what sports generally is. I, and here's my, my thought is simply this, and I'm closer to Tony Dungy's age than you are, and so you would think I would be that, you know, and the get off my lawn guy on this how about a happy medium here where i don't need to see taylor swift every five seconds but if they if they show her in the box with Brittany mahomes or, or whoever kylie kelsey or, yeah whoever i don't care and and young girls watch it because taylor's there i don't care i i don't care at all it, it doesn't bother me because we see, how many times do we see Jerry Jones during a game? Oh, my God. Or or fill in the blank of, of owners or whoever. How many times do I need to see Jerry Jones? I don't need to see Jerry Jones all that many times. But we don't hear, we don't hear Tony Dungy complaining about Jerry Jones. That Jerry Jones is on TV too much during a game. And it takes away from what's going on in the field. I just think if, if Taylor Swift brings female fans, younger fans in, so be it. L- long as it's not, long as it doesn't become every other play, we have to pay into the booth. We have to sh- go to the booth to see what Taylor Swift's reaction is to right. something. There, there is a balance. And that gets high. Let's have a happy balance here. Let's have a let's find a, a happy medium and of the NFL can benefit from having the exposure of somebody like Swift, who a younger 
audience, a younger demo and a, and a, a different gender demo can relate to, and they're excited about seeing her there, cool. I don't care. And and part of the problem isn't even really truly the NFL's creation. If, and I, I say problem. It's the TV networks. That, it's not like the NFL. I mean, well, I don't know if the NFL mandates, hey, Fox or NBC or whoever. If, hey, if she's the there, talking, make sure you get enough shots make of her. Sure we we have a quota. The, you know, make sure we get a you know, fill, you know, fill in the blank number of times we got to go to the box to show her. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't feel like it's an ungodly amount of times well, that what, they do it. It what, doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't sit there and go, "Oh, jeez, again." Well, and and I, I just like I was, okay, there there she is, and, and what whatever. I, what I was going to say was that part of this, you know, this creation, if you will, is it's just simply the fact that it was it, it was all about timing. Because you had Taylor Swift going on the most successful tour a solo artist has ever gone on, period. And the movie that captures those moments was a box office success in and of its own right. So you had this nexus where she's the most popular thing in the world, most popular entertainment brand, entity, whatever, coming together with another arguably as large entertainment yeah. brand, the NFL, yeah. and they and they merged in this sort of like reality show, like, ooh, is she dating Travis Kelsey? And is Travis Kelsey trying to pursue Taylor That's... Swift? And like there was kind of this like neat little story. It might have got a little bit blown out of proportions, and yeah. there might have been people that had negative reactions to it. But the bottom line is smart Smart people with a lot of money said, this is an opportunity. Let's not put it to waste. And here we are in January, late January. We're still talking about it because it worked. Hey, guess what? Here's something else, too. If you're concerned about the future of football in this country, of moms that don't want their kids, their sons to play football, don't you want younger female fans to grow up loving the game so when it's time for their their son or daughter to play they're like you know i i feel comfortable with you with you playing football yeah because because who's always even even before concussion concerns and things like that which are valid concerns which is yeah which is blowing out your knee or breaking your leg or whatever playing football that's that's too rough and it's too physical, and I don't want my baby playing. Moms are the ones that put the kibosh on that. Mom had to mm-hmm. approve playing football normally. Dad be like, I want Junior to play, and Mom like, No, he's not. No, not my baby. He's, he's gonna get hurt. He's too small. He's not fast. Whatever. Would you not want women to feel like football is okay for their kids to play? And the only way we're gonna, you're going to get that kind of feeling from from women, you know, you know that that they're that they grew up watching it, loving the sport, and feeling like, okay, I'm I'm all right with my my son or daughter playing football. Agreed. And, and if that means Taylor Swift is the the carrot that brings them in. So be it. I, I just I just think of Tony Dungy. It's like, what is your what's your beef with Taylor Swift, man? I, I'm no, I don't dislike Taylor Swift. I'm. I'm fairly swift neutral. There you go. I appreciate her talent. I'm not big into her music. Appreciate her success. Seems like a nice person. Obviously, with what she did with Delaney when she came here, when she had cancer, and um, the, the, that gesture was was an incredible gesture on her part. But I just like what what's your beef there? What's your problem? Yeah. I, I just for Tony Dunn, just take it away from the game. How is she gonna? Is she gonna go out and call plays? Is Andy Reid gonna put her on the sideline to call plays? Is she gonna be I mean, your, what? Is she gonna be the general manager of your team and and yeah. rename them <laughs> the Swifties, the uh, Kansas City Swifties? I mean, what? What? Jeez, Tony. And you know what? I swear to God, she because okay, this is getting maybe a little too into the weeds. Yeah, we hear me probably, probably put us put a bow on this here. Do you remember the whole crypto like 
Sam Bankman Freed and all the celebrities that were associated with it that endorsed it. And then it turned out it was all like built in a house of cards. There was a court document because a lot of people sued. There was an actual court document that said Taylor Swift was one of the people who rejected the idea of endorsing that crypto scheme. Smart move on her part. Because she <laughs> looked into it and Good she did her. the research. So you know what? Taylor Swift. Uh, or she hired somebody to do it, which doesn't matter. She was she smart knew. enough to know I'm not going to get into that. Think of your favorite pro sports team that has at any point had horrible management or horrible. And then think, gee, would I trust some idiot who's like all about football and, uh, you know, love the game, but has but has no real business acumen or someone like. I don't know, Taylor Swift. Who's developed who's, some business chops over the years. Who's gotten arguably some of the most business savvy, you know, it, it, she would at the very least know who to hire, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah she would she would be smart enough to know to, to get the right people. All right, it is. <laughs> I just, okay. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right, let's start out with the Broncos because it looks like there's a decent possibility that a guy that our uh, insider Cody Rourke just loves, Broncos assistant coach, defensive backs coach Christian Parker, could be leaving Sean Payton's staff because uh, Parker interviewing for the Patriots defensive coordinator post for uh, new coach Gerard Mayo. So uh, they's been he's been in Denver for three years. Three different uh, defensive coaches he's worked for. Vic Fangio, Ajiro Vero, and now Vance Joseph this season. And obviously knows what he's doing because each, each time those guys have been impressed enough with him to stay through uh, three different regimes. Parker spent two years in Green Bay as a defensive quality control coach. 32 years old, rising star. Uh, there was some talk at one point, remember early in the season with Vance Joseph after the Dolphins debacle, that maybe they need to fire Vance Joseph. Promote and, him. And promote Christian Parker to be the D.C. That didn't happen as the Broncos defense got it turned around, obviously, during that five-game winning streak. But uh, Christian Parker could be uh, on his way to New England. Young coach, up-and-coming guy could be a big loss for the Broncos moving forward. All right, so let's go around the NFL from this weekend, the divisional round this weekend, and uh, started, of course, with Saturday, the top seed in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens, scoring off against uh, the Houston Texans, fresh off their win over Cleveland. Ravens pick up the 34-10 to victory in that one. Lamar Jackson, um, 11 carries and 100 yards and two touchdowns in that game on the ground uh, for um, for the uh, Baltimore offense, 152 through the air, couple of touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. And uh, for Lamar Jackson, helping to lead a, a rushing attack that had a, a very impressive day that um, they went out and were able to uh, really dominate on the ground. 229 yards <laughs> on the ground. Even Dalvin Cook. Got in the mix a little bit. Hey, Dalvin Cook, uh, eight times twenty, he carries twenty-three yards. As the um, the Ravens get the victory on Saturday, Jackson, of course, I mentioned leading the way with a hundred yards on the ground. Justice Hill had sixty-six yards, but the uh, really the, the guy's probably going to end up being the MVP, Lamar Jackson, with the big day against the Texans. It'll be second down and ten for the fifteen. Jackson from the gun, looks to his right now, runs right up the middle, gets to the ten, cuts to the five. All right, that courtesy of Westwood One from the Team Sports Network from this weekend. So with uh, Houston, C.J. Stroud, 175 yards under duress pretty much the whole day. Of course, the the Ravens uh, had uh, tied a a record, a franchise record for sacks and uh, was a leading uh, team in terms of sacks in the NFL this season. Uh, Really slammed the door on on the Texans' run game. Devin Singletary, just 22 yards. They only had 38 yards on the ground. Oof. in that game on Saturday. So Baltimore, the top seed in the AFC, they move on. And the second game on Saturday pitted the 49ers, the top seed in the NFC, hosting the Green Bay Packers. Packers uh, coming off the huge 
upset win at the Dallas Cowboys in Super Wildcard Weekend. And the Niners getting the 24-21 to victory as they were able to, uh, to eke out that victory. Mentioned Anders Carlson with the, with the missed field goal. Yeah. That was, that was a, a backbreaker. I, I don't think it's going to be a factor going forward, at least the next two games. But Brock Purdy's inability to hold on to the football, this is where the hand size comes into play. He had a hard time holding on to the football, and he was playing at home. But he ends yeah. up, up 252 in a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey, a couple of touchdowns on the ground and 98 yards. That, that is the rare case where you go, okay, that's where the whole hand size thing does yeah. play into your evaluation of a quarterback. I don't think it's a thing that, oh, wait a minute, this is, this is his big kryptonite now. But it's one of those things that can come back to bite a guy on occasion that the hand size does create a problem in terms of, of gripping the football. But uh, then he, he needs to pull a Kurt Warner and start throwing uh, two gloves on. Or, or, or Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy two gloves. Teddy two gloves. Uh, Niner defense stepping up with the big pick of Jordan Love to seal the win. Shotgun snap to Love. Back to pass. Plants his feet. Now rolling to his right. Love looking. Throws back across his body. Over the middle. Intercepted. It's picked off by the 49ers. It's Greenlaw's second of the night. And the 49ers are going to win. Love rolling to his right. Threw back across his body to the middle of the field. And Greenlaw picked it off. Cardinal sin of every quarterback. You never, ever, ever, ever roll and throw opposite direction across your body through the middle of the field. That is going to get you intercepted nine times out of 10, 99 out of 100 times. That thing's going for a pick. That was a, for all of the great things Jordan Love did this year and in that game, that was the one that made you go, oof. Yeah. Rookie-ish mistake. Yeah, for, for, um, but his first playoff game in the divisional round First playoffs ever in his career. He's going to get better, and he acknowledged that. Yeah. And threw for two touchdowns, two picks, 194. Aaron Jones had a, a really good game on the ground, 108 yards for the Packers. But uh, you know, mentioned uh, didn't mention George Kittle. Kittle, four catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Juwan Jennings had five grabs for 61 yards in the game for San Francisco. Debo Samuel leaving with the injury in that game. And uh, the reports are that uh, he's 50-50 to play in the, the NFC Championship game coming up on Sunday. That uh, he wanted to come back in. He suffered a hairline fracture in Ow. his shoulder. He had the shoulder injury uh, that he sustained against the Browns earlier in the season. Uh, had the hairline fracture in that game. Missed the next two weeks. Uh, but the uh, x-rays of the shoulder were negative this time around. But there's a injury with that shoulder. So his status is very much up in the air for a Sunday's game when uh, the Packers play host to the Detroit Lions. So do you want to do? Uh, do you want to dig over? Do you want to do Sunday here? I can do Sunday. So yeah. we had the Detroit Lions after winning their first playoff game in over thirty years, getting back for the next week of the division round, hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield had a great day in many aspects. But he had this end of the game interception that pretty much sealed the deal for the Lions. It's the snap from the center. Hainsey throws over the middle, floats it high, and it's intercepted! Picked off by Derek Barnes! The former Purdue Boilermaker with the biggest interception of his life! Sealing the deal for the Detroit Lions! Lions win. Incredibly athletic interception by Barnes, by the way. Huge. Great, great play. So the Lions win 31-23. They go to the NFC Championship game for the first time since 1991. Last time they were in the NFC title game, do you know what team they faced? In the NFC title game? 1991. Was it Washington? It was Washington. Yeah. So uh, now here's, again, Baker Mayfield, 26-41, 349 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. The first one was tipped off his receiver's fingertips. It should have been a catch, uh, but instead it went for an INT. Lions 
They're going to the NFC Championship game again. First time since 1991. Jared Goff, 287, two touchdowns, no picks, 30 of 43. Jameer Gibbs, the rookie, nine carries. Nine Man, he's carries. good. The former Alabama Crimson Tide guy. But he was good. 74 yards and a touchdown. The guy is fast. Uh, Monroe St. Brown, eight catches, 77 yards and a TD as well. So you're fighting, biting kneecappers, going to the NFC Championship game. And then the nightcap on Sunday. Oh, boy. Sorry, Bills fans, but we got to do it. Here's Kevin Harlan and the missed kick from Tyler Bass. Tyler Bass will try a 44-yard field goal to tie. The wind at his back. The snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is up and no good. Wide right. Wide right. The Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. Jubilation for the Chiefs sideline. Patrick Mahomes like, what? What? Oh, and uh, here's Jim Nance's call, by the way. Please, he has tremendous support in the building. If he has oh, to no, make one for us, the game on the line, he will. No, 44 no. yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. Oh, CBS Sports on that oh. one. Oh. By the way, uh, Patrick Mahomes, 17 of 23, 215, two touchdowns, both of them to Travis Kelsey. And I believe, I'd have to double check, but I believe that sets the record for most postseason touchdowns between a quarterback and tight end. I'd have to double check, but I think that's what the record was, or like they were in like top two or three. So, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, six straight. NF, or, uh, AFC championship game. He has not, since becoming the Chiefs' full-time starter, he has not missed an AFC championship game. That's hands from the bell. Yeah. And, and for those that I, I guess I read it this, this past week, oh, old beat-up Travis Kelsey. Well, he caught two touchdowns yesterday in the cold. He's not going to have a thousand yard season. It breaks the streak of what's one, two, three, four, five, six straight years of a thousand yards. Whoop de doo. Sorry, eight. Excuse me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. I'm sorry. Seven consecutive years of a thousand yards. By the way, Kadarius Tony was inactive in this game. But I mean, as far as the regular season, but he he's at nine eighty four, so he still could get right over. Probably will for, get yeah. Probably will be over a thousand yards. Yeah, but I was, for the entire season, for the entirety of the season collective, yeah. and uh, I just it was interesting because I saw Kadarius Tony was inactive for this game. I think we would call that an addition by subtraction. <laughs> probably so, because he doesn't have to line up offsides against yeah. the Bills to just just a couple. Of observations going back to the the Detroit Tampa Bay game, mm. that you had two first round guys going at it: Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, first yep. round picks, top picks in the draft. Yep. Jared Goff's supposed to be a placeholder. He's just supposed to be a dude until they could get the right guy, Caleb Williams. He's 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 got them in the NFC Championship game. And Baker Mayfield, how how savvy in the part of the Bucks. A one-year, like four million dollar deal. Yep, for Baker Mayfield. A little bit of a prove me deal for Baker. And what do you do? Proved him. They, they win the NFC South. He started every game this season at over four thousand yards passing. It's a team that has a dreadful cap situation, a lot of dead money because of Tom Brady's retirement. Give the Bucks a lot of credit for for finding a way to navigate this season with some roster limitations in terms of what they could do with, with, with the, the dead money on their you know, working against them. They bring in Mayfield. And, and Baker Mayfield, who will be a free agent, I, I would assume the Bucks will find a way to keep Baker Mayfield there. But I think Baker Mayfield has started. When, when healthy Mayfield, is, is he the best quarterback in the league? No, probably not. Is he Mahomes? Is is he Lamar? No. Is he one of those guys? No. Is he Joe Burrow? No. 
but he's pretty damn good. Whether you like his attitude or not, and like I said in the 7 o'clock hour, I've, I've gone back and forth on how I feel about Mayfield. I, I felt for him yesterday when he threw the pick. I felt for him. You could feel the gut punch oh, yeah. that I just cost my team a chance to go down and, and, and keep us in the conversation to maybe win this football game. I and, and for Goff, those those who doubted him didn't feel like you know, he was just a throw-in, salary throw-in, and just a placeholder for the Lions. He's become their answer. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty, a couple of guys that were obviously highly regarded top picks have gone through people doubting them and thinking they're they're garbage to being a couple pretty darn good quarterbacks, and one of them is going to be playing in the NFC Championship game on Sunday. Uh, our coverage Sunday, by the way, will start at noon right here on the Team Sports Network. Of course, leading up to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. All right, 831. Jim along with Cake from the uh, Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, most trusted name in automobiles. So your action to what happened on Sunday. Also, we have our Browns Cremation and Funeral Service. Good call, bad call. Michael Wells, Fruit of Boys Coach, is going to join us in a few minutes. They're off to a 16-0 start this season. It's time right now, though, to play the number game. Let's play the number game on the Jim Davis Show. All right. For the number game today and your chance to win a case of Coors Banquet Beer, courtesy of High Country Beverage, a couple things. you got to be over the age of 21 because it's beer. If you have won within the last two weeks, please sit it out. Uh, and if you don't want the prize, don't play. Just don't play. Simple yeah. as that. It's easy as that. But if you do want the prize, if you are over 21 and it's been more than two weeks since you've last won, try your hand at this question, the number game. The answer is always a number. So if you text in and say, Larry Zimmer, that's not, we're not, that's not a number. But Larry Zimmer. Sadly passed away at the age of 88 over the weekend, serving as Buffs football and basketball play-by-play and Broncos color commentator and play-by-play for decades. How many Buffs football, Buffs basketball, and Denver Broncos games combined was Larry Zimmer part of? Okay. Either as a color analyst or a play-by-play As guy. a color analyst or a play-by-play Preseason and postseason. All of it. Wow. All the whole kit and caboodle. Entire resume his, of Larry Zimmer. Because we well, and it's not even the entire because there were there was a brief period where he did like a few CSU Rams games and I think um CU and Broncos and that's what we're CU and Broncos, the you know, buffs, football and basketball and Broncos. How many of those games combined? Did Larry Zimmer do over his career? Regular season and postseason. And preseason. And preseason. Okay, so get your number in, and you can win a case of Coors Original, the banquet beer from High Country Beverage. Send it in on the team line, 970-242-1340. They're a lot of fun. The Jim Davis Show. They're idiots. On Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 836. Jim along with Cake today. Go to the bad, the ugly. Send it to us on the team line, 970-242-1340. Got the number game. The number game is Larry Zimmer called with the Broncos and Buffs. Uh, where's, let's see, Jim's guess. Where, well, where, because I think we need to, you need to probably oh, create. What, we've create, we've create, already got a winner. Oh, you already got a winner. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that's impressive. Never never mind. I thought, wow, that's, this is going to be a little bit uh, difficult. I thought so, too. And now, ladies and gentlemen, impressive. the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Most impressive. Uh, Mike, correctly answering, 1,547 total games of... Buffs and Broncos that Larry's ever called. So it breaks down like this. And I got this from his obituary in, I believe, the one of the Southern Colorado, I don't know, maybe the Pueblo Chieftain or something. Okay. Anyway. That's, that would be the paper in Pueblo. So 486 football games. That includes like bowl games and stuff. 
525 men's hoops games for the Buffs and 536 Broncos games, including preseason and postseason. And it all adds up to 1,547. So Mike gets the case of beer today from our friends over at High Country Beverage. Tonight and tomorrow on the program, we'll have a triple play record stadium cinema. So your chance to win on the program tomorrow. Let's see. We were talking about Taylor Swift earlier and Tony Dungy. So we don't need to see Taylor Swift up in the press box all the time, up in the luxury boxes. Uh, Kurt, I'm more concerned about the, the, the constant rule changes, rule interpretations, refs, and the league is in bed with gambling. That's a fair thing to, I think, be concerned about. Dylan's got one. wonder if Patrick Wall will be as big of a, pardon my French here, hard ass with the Islanders as he was with the Avs. Because he's now the head coach of the New York Islanders. I'd right. like to think that, that Patrick Wall learned a lot about his, about what not to do during his time in, uh, with the Avalanche, mm-hmm. shoving the partition over and losing his mind. Yeah, hopefully he's he's learned a lot from that. All right, it is eight thirty eight, and uh, coming up we'll uh, we'll talk with the Michael Wells Fruit of Monument boys basketball coach. They're off to a sixteen and zero start, and it's time right now for Brown's cremation and funeral service. Good call, bad call. Was that a good call or did they totally blow it? It's good call or bad call. All right, brought to you by Brown's cremation and funeral service. Always a good call. To get your arrangements taken care of in advance for you or your loved ones, a bad call to leave it up to somebody else while they're dealing with their grief. Call them today at Brown's Cremation and Funeral Service, 970-255-8888. Caring people that want to help you make your arrangements for yourself or your loved ones. Call them today, Brown's Cremation and Funeral Service, 970-255-8888. Okay, I've got a couple here. Okay. Go back to the Niners game with the Packers. Niners have a 7-6 lead. Get the ball thrown 25, 4.09 left in the first half. And they they go on this long drive, 11 plays to move 45 yards, get the Packers 30. About four minutes, go off the clock. Kyle Shanahan didn't want to give the Packers the ball back at the end of the first half with time to get in field goal range. Okay. Well, the Niners, they pass on a chance to score a touchdown. They opt to kick or try a 48-yard field goal in the rain. Oof. And it was blocked. Yeah, that'll happen. Also, I'm, I'm going to go back to last night's game, too. Josh Allen isn't why they lost, but the decision to try to go to the end zone on that last drive where they ended up trying the field goal and Tyler Bass misses it wide right, Got a shallow cross, going to pick up the first down. You opt instead to, with a not clean pocket to try to drive the ball down the field into the end zone, ends up throwing it incomplete. They have to end up kicking the field goal, which misses wide right. Yeah, that's a that's a bad call. So a couple bad calls there. Though for the Niners, it worked out okay. They still ended up winning the game. Yeah, on, it worked out great. On Saturday. Uh, good call, bad call. We've played the clip a couple times. Jim Nance on the call for the Bills and Chiefs. He has to make one for us. For the game on the line, he will. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo oh. have surfaced again. So that, to me, is a good call in the sense that it's a good call. It's a really good call. And it's also accurate to say that wide right, Two of the most dreaded words in <laughs> Buffalo history. That was pretty good. Bad call. We mentioned it briefly. Ohio State fans rushing the court after their upset went over Iowa in women's basketball. The fan ran into Caitlin Clark. And then, yeah. So, a couple of things. I've seen people say, well, Caitlin Clark was the one who attacked the fan. And Why are we rushing the court in the first place? It's a regular season game. It's not the tournament. They this did was- beat the number two team in the nation. Why are we rushing the court? I think it's I, I think it's an overdone thing too. I agree, but they did beat the number two team in the nation. No, I I know, and I'm yeah, just, they I'm beat the saying. number two team in the nation. Congratulations, but also at least I don't know. I don't know if there's a, a How about good not solution. Lose, lose your mind and run over players and yeah. Watch but, where you're going. 
that's a, look with your eyes. Yep, I think that's a fairly simple request to make. Yeah, I think it was a, b- a bad call to run into Kalen Clark, rush the rush the court, and and also bad call Kalen Clark flopping. Basically, is what is it, it, if you watch it in slow mo and you know, who knows? I'll be honest, I have not seen it. So does she flop? Some would argue. I'm not going to make a definitive did the, did, stance. Did the fan make contact with her? They made contact, yes. So there you go. But was it was it more of a just a brush up against her and she fell down? Or there was actual real substantial contact? I think you could make the case that Kaylin Clark didn't see her and the fan wasn't looking. You could make a case that both of them... It probably were in the wrong place at the wrong time, not paying attention. And again, gets back to why are you rushing the court? Once again, because the people are going to say, well, we just beat the number two team in the nation. So we we should be able to do that. Okay. I, I, to me, I think court storming, it's... Um, can't watch it in here. You're watching it? <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you thinking, Mr. Iowa Hawkeyes fan? Uh, <laughs> uh, I like Kalen Clark. But, uh, hmm. She runs into him more than he runs into her. Okay, I'm going to... Because she's running along. She's, she sees the guys in front of her, and she runs into the side of him. Yeah, He does not run into her. He runs in her, well... He kind of comes, ah, I don't. It, it, and then she does, ah, the twirly fall. Oh, my, ah. It's broken. Um, I, and then that guy ends up going face down. He's a big dude, though. The guy that, uh, he runs in front of her. She sees him, though. She's, he's like looking toward the fans. She's running straight at him. She's got the better view of, oh, that guy's running right in front of me and he doesn't see me. Are you sure it's a he? Or it's maybe it's a she. I don't know. It's, I, I can't tell. It's, individuals are a, a large human being. It's a big person. They're not, they're not tiny. Could be a well, I guess a woman, because I do whoever the person is is bigger than Caitlin Clark. I see a ponytail, so perhaps it is a woman. Looks like it is. I think she looks bigger <laughs> because she's got a vest on. Right. Got like a down vest on, so she looks bigger. But it is a woman. Again. I stand corrected. Not again, a guy. Why are we rushing the court? I don't know. <laughs> All right. We probably need to. We got to move along here. Uh, we need to get into uh, Prep Stars and Mighty Maps. All right. Let the stars shine. It's Prep Stars on the Jim Davis Show. It wasn't like that fan just cleaned her out. It wasn't like just blindsided Did her. Still, yeah. Because she, you got it great. She, Kaylin Clark could see the fan right in, totally, front, totally. right in front of her. All right, my Prep Stars, Grand Junction swimmer Abby Price. We enjoyed having the Grand Junction swim team on for our team's team of the week. She qualified for state for the fourth time. Congratulations. That's my female prep star, my uh, male prep star, Montrose. Post player Caleb Ferguson, 30 points in the win against Eagle Valley for the Red Hawks. Prep stars for me, prep girl. I'm going with Olivia Campbell, uh, just dominating for Fruita Monument, averaging over 14 points per game along with Addison Ayer. My prep boy star, Fruita boys wrestlers, Gage Chaluski and Oren Meese. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing either of your names. Both of them winning individual titles at the North Glen Norse duels. Meese correct, Chelowitzki. Chelowitzki. Okay. It's all right. Brother wrestles over a Mesa. Nice. All right. Time for Mighty Mavs. The best of CMU sports. It's Mighty Mavs on the Jim Davis Show. A couple of Maverick swimmers for my Mighty Mavs. Uh, Female side, Benedict Nagy, winning the 400 uh, individual medley at the BYU Tri-Meet. And then a guy we've had on the program before, Ben Sampson, just continues to dominate. Absolutely. Two titles at the BYU Tri-Meet this past weekend. We had to rock, paper, scissors over this one, but uh, my prep star, Mighty Mav, uh, Man, Mac Rineker, 
the latest Mav to join the 1,000-point club. 21st. 21st Maverick to get over 1,000 points for his career. And then my I was actually going to have uh, Benedict Nagy as my Mighty Mav woman. But we got to also acknowledge Olivia Reed. Man, is she good. She's pretty good. Dominating this past weekend as part of the Mavs sweep of the RMAX South Dakota schools. Olivia Reed, my uh, Mighty Mav female star of the week. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Fruit of Monument boys coach Michael Wells joins us next. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado Sports Leader, the team. All right, welcome back, 851. Jim along with Cake today. Trying to track down Michael Wells, so hopefully we'll have him on before the end of the hour, or perhaps uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll fit him into to next hour. So it's Monday, the good, the bad, the ugly. So uh, whatever uh, is on your list from the weekend, 970-242-1340. That is the team line. So I went from Robert. Uh, I know Tony, referring to Tony Dungy and his criticism of of uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, every once in a while, I too sound like a crotchety old man. Please forgive us when we say stupid stuff. Did the team see the clip of the girls playing flag football? Uh, did. It's very cool that, uh, that flag football here in the state uh, is really growing over in the front range. And uh, also, the, the caveman commercials are funny. Sad and pathetic. All right. So uh, right now, we've got to... going to go with Michael Wells right now? Yes. Okay, so... Time to talk a little Fruto Monument basketball with Wildcats head coach Michael Wells on the Jim Davis Show. Talking Fruto Monument Wildcat sports on the Jim Davis Show. And Michael Wells brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. And Michael Wells joins us on the team line. Good morning, Michael. Appreciate the time as always. Good morning, guys. Sorry, we were a little bit tardy this morning. My apologies. A lot to get to on the program this morning, Michael. So uh, my, my apologies for getting to you a little bit late. Uh, 16-0 and start, uh, the best start for Fruit of Monument in the Max Preps era. Uh, not bad for your first year as the boys' head coach to get out to a 16-0 and uh, uh, beginning to the season. Without question. It, um, you know, probably beyond even what I expected um, from our guys, but, you know, they've really committed kind of, you know, a talented group on the offensive end. We've talked about it before, really made a commitment on the defensive end. And, you know, we've been fortunate to escape in some games where maybe we haven't been our best. And, you know, just uh, excited to hopefully keep it rolling for as long as we can. As I mentioned, the 16-0 and start. And this past weekend, you opened up a defense of the league title in the Southwestern League with the win against Grand Junction, 53-30 to in that one. And... Once again, gotta love the way your way your team played defensively against Grand Junction. Uh, Will Applegate had ten points in that game for the Tigers, but or excuse me, Declan Lake had fifteen points. Excuse me, that game for the Tigers, but uh, you really uh, you you kind of limited Will Applegate and what he could do from a scoring standpoint. And then he had great performances from from uh, of course your son Jet had twelve. Uh, Austin Reed had twelve points. Max Orchard had eleven points. A night where Daniel Thomason only scores six points, but. Uh, DT's production wasn't necessarily needed against the Tigers with those other three hitting for double figures. For sure. Um, you know, in that game, I think DT's production maybe wasn't measured as much, you know, with points on the scoreboard, but he did a really good job to limit Will. You know, we talked about how their offense really runs through him and, and, you know, a lot of the film we had saw was people standing behind him, letting him catch. And he's just so good when he gets it down there that, that we wanted to make the catch tougher if let him have it at all. And so I put a lot on DT, DT's plate, um, certainly to, to limit those touches. And so he maybe got a little less of a start, you know, on the offensive end. But fortunately, Max and, and Austin, you know, picked us up and, and kept us in the game early till we were able to get, you know, DT and Jet going a little bit late. Um, you know, there was a stretch that I looked up and, and we were ahead and, and DT and Jet just each had two points. And I'm like, how are we in this game? And, you know, we just had, had buckled down on the defensive end and, and, and Max and Austin really answered the bell early for us. You know, six rebounds for Daniel Thomason. Uh, he also uh, 
contributed a couple of assists as well. And like you said, the job he did defensively against Will Applegate was was uh, certainly a, a big part of, of your success in that win against Grand Junction. And then you had Battle Mountain on Saturday, and uh, the solid defense continued in that one for your basketball team where uh, you hold them to, to 28 points. You, you go out and score 70 in that win against uh, a Battle Mountain team. Let's just be honest, isn't uh, having a particularly good season, but uh, certainly a, a great job by by your son, Jet Wells, 21 points in that game. What's been really good from Jet so far? What's been the thing you've been the most impressed with? Well, you know, he's been shooting the ball really well lately, which is which always helps. Um, and and he's just he's, he's he's scary in a good and a bad way on the defensive end because sometimes you know he'll he'll gamble and and get some steals. He really did a good job in the junction game, you know, kind of freelancing and, and creating some havoc for some of their guys you know, off of his defender, um, which sometimes, you know, if he does, if he isn't successful, can lead the, you know, leave his guy open for some shots. But, you know, he's really, he just creates havoc in a lot of ways on the defensive end um, for us, you know, just, just being able to get steals and he's really long with deflections and stuff and kind of gets us going when we're slow, you know, trying to get the tempo of the game moving, um, you know, more in our favor. And so, you know, he's kind of really locked in on that end a little bit as well. And, you know, just the experience and the growth from freshman to sophomore year, you know, you get a little more confidence, you get a little stronger and, and, you know, you start to find your way a little bit. And, you know, with, with DT and a guy like Max and Austin, you know, that can take a lot of pressure off a young kid when he can just go play. And he's been, you know, kind of the benefactor of those things, I think in a lot of ways. Michael Wells with us on the team sports network Montrose coming up tomorrow night. Uh, Caleb Ferguson, Daniel Thomas, and that's going to be a great matchup. But uh, I know that Ryan Voringer said that uh, no way Caleb goes for 30 against your basketball team like he did against Eagle Valley. Not. said no, but uh, he, you're hoping that's not the case. But uh, <laughs> certainly Ryan's hoping that uh, that happens once again. But this is going to be a great matchup uh, Tuesday night against uh, the Red Hawks. It really will be um, a, a ton of fun. I think this league is stacked this year. and. I've I've admired Bo and and his program and, and how he coaches from afar for many years and this will be the first time you know I have an opportunity to go against him. You know I think between him and Dutch you're looking at you know the two best coaches on the on the Western Slope and easily in this league and you know he'll always have something for us that that maybe is a little different than we expected and you know he'll uh, he'll make it difficult for us so we've got to be able to adjust early and, and it's another one of those games similar to Junction they got a dominant big guy and I think the team that that plays at their pace is 